Good morning. As you might tell, we are going to be talking about joy this morning. And if I have to be honest, I think it's probably one of the hardest ones out of the four uh, to teach uh, because it seems to almost contradict itself very often <laughs> in the Bible. Um, it says stuff like uh, rejoice always, everything like that, you know, but, you know, rejoice and sorrow, all of this is like, okay, so am I supposed to be happy? Am I not? It's supposed to be more than happiness, but yet I'm supposed to show, ha- I'm super confused, right? And I think that's what makes joy very hard, not only for us to teach, you know, from this side of the pulpit kind of thing, but also from the, even the receiving end, it's kind of like, okay, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to take away from that. Um, we end up kind of saying like, okay, so am I supposed to go up and just force a smile and just move on with life one step, you know, one foot in front of the other, one of those kind of concepts. Cause, cause some of us, if we have to be honest, that's, that's where our energy level stops. Our energy level stops at the point where I can put on the fake smile and just get out of bed that morning. Right. And maybe to you, that's the concept of joy. Right. Because we've we've said this before. Joy is a choice. Right. It's more than just an emotion. Uh, But I I would even go a step further. It's not just a choice, but it's also a fight. Uh, Sometimes you have to fight for joy. Sometimes you uh, you have to choose to fight. Right. Um, And we're going to get into that a little bit more because there's a few uh, scriptures I kind of want to touch on that kind of points towards that concept a little bit more. Uh, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because then I'll get super lost. So we're not going to do that. Um, so one other thing that I want us to kind of remember as we're talking about joy this morning is that it is the last word out of our Advent series, just like, um, you know, every year we have Advent that involves, you know, the four words and everything, right? So joy is our last one. And I'm really happy that we ended with joy because it is kind of the reaction from the other three. And we have to keep in mind that they all are connected. And not only are they interconnected with each other, but they all point to Advent. And if we remember, Advent is waiting, right? And it's not just waiting, but it's a discipline of waiting. Because if we have to be honest, uh, especially Western Americans, we hate waiting. We're not good at it, right? Um, That is the entire concept of a fast food drive-thru. We hate waiting. Um, So the Bible teaches us the exact opposite, that we need to learn and have a discipline of waiting, thus the Advent season, right? The idea of already, but not yet. Jesus has come and made us all right in the courtroom of heaven if we put our faith in him, but yet we live in a broken world where people are broken and disease is rampant and all this other stuff. So we're like, okay, how is everything right? Well, that's why we're already saved, but not yet saved. And that's our waiting. We're waiting on everything that is broken from us at the beginning of the book to be made right at the end of the book. And that's Advent. That's why we are even in this season is to think about and ponder upon and wait. We're here to wait. And um, I was kind of discussing it with uh, Sarah this morning, uh, discussed with like Brian and Ron and everything, that to be honest with you, out of the four words, this is probably the one I uh, dislike teaching the most. <laughs> Uh, just because it is, like I said, it's a very difficult concept. Um, Because most of the time when we leave this morning, we're going to leave thinking, okay, so I just need to be happy. And um, it's both true and not (laughs) true at the same time. Uh, It's just a really hard concept. And that's what makes it uh, difficult. Because, like I said, joy is a reaction of the other three, right? We, We 
understand that we are loved. We trust in God's promises that are hope. We find peace in Christ. And because of that, we can be joyful. But what if that reaction doesn't come? What if we don't find that we are joyful, even if we are practicing the other three? Well, I hope that we get to unpack that a little bit this morning as well. Um, as I was kind of studying this out, I felt pretty burdened that uh, everything I've typed out, everything I've written is insufficient and not what we need to hear this morning. So that might make this a little weird, but that's okay. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll do this as, uh, as it leads. But um, Advent's just a weird season, like I said, because we are not naturally meant to wait. Um, because wait involves an anticipation. And when you are originally created for eternity, anticipation means a lot less. Um, but yet, we're broken. And eternity is something that we strive for, not something that we currently live in. Um, so maybe this describes you. Maybe you're waiting, but you're really grumpy about it. <laughs> is, is anyone grumpy when you have to wait? Everybody raise your hand, please, right? Everyone's grumpy. No one likes to wait, right? And in, in Advent, right, we're being taught to, to wait, everything, right? But I think that everyone could probably get a lot better at waiting if they could babysit or at least go back to having a five-year-old um, for 24 hours. And not just have a five-year-old, but be late to something, be late to something like you're trying to get somewhere. You have a certain time to get there and you're waiting on your five-year-old to put on his pants. Welcome to waiting. <laughs> um, let's see you keep your cool in that situation when, like I said, you're 15 minutes late already and your five-year-old is distracted about the pool chain on the, on the ceiling fan. He's laying there just watching this pool chain and you're suddenly like, we are late. We got to get somewhere. Will you, let's go right? And let's see how patient you can be then, right? So at that particular moment, you're figuring out what it means to be joyful in Advent, <laughs> right? Um, so there's an emotional tie for you right there, okay? Uh, you, you learn that sometimes waiting is completely out of your control, and that's what makes it uncomfortable, right? That's what makes it a discipline, not just the waiting itself, but makes all four of these words a discipline in the middle of that waiting, right? You're sitting there and you're waiting. Come on, man, you get it. Put them on now. Put them on now, right? You're, you're very quickly starting to lose hope that you're going to get there in time, <laughs> right? Because you're already late and you start to very quickly lose your peace and things go downhill quickly. And we have to be honest, we are all very bad at waiting, especially when there's something you're looking forward to. If anyone's ever tried to find a new job, buy a new car, uh, maybe you're pregnant, you're waiting for a baby, whatever that may be, right? You are not going to be happy until such thing is here in your possession or it's done or it's complete, right? You're, you're not going to be happy until it's there. It's in your possession, Right? Maybe your idea of waiting is like, you know, God's perfect timing is whenever I say his perfect timing is. 
Is that describing anyone? <laughs> I, would, I would venture to guess it probably describes most of us in this room, right? But when you start to find out that waiting quickly takes away all four of these words, you understand that maybe the root of these words is not where you think they are, right? Maybe you find peace in the security of life, whatever, right? Maybe you're being hopeful because one day you'll get that promotion. Here's the bad thing about putting hope, love, joy, putting all of these things. The bad thing about putting that in finite things is then the emotion will always be finite. Let me reward that another way. Specifically about this morning. You will never find true joy if you root it in something you can accomplish. Let me say that one more time. You will never find true joy if you root it in something you can accomplish. Because it's finite. It's temporary. Isaiah 40 says that the grass withers and the flower fades away. And that's what we have to look forward to whenever we try to construct things that match any of these four words up here. Because any of these four words have a price to pay whenever they are temporary, right? Love. The price we pay for love when it's temporary is grief. Eventually, someone you love, something you love is going to fade away. It's going to pass away. It's going to die. And after that, you're filled with mourning and grief. And that's the price you pay by putting all of your love in something temporary, right? Peace. When you put your peace in something that's temporary, you may find that you have a certain moment of just you're settled and you're, you're okay in that moment, but eventually it goes away, it fades, and you are repla- it's all replaced with anxiety. Because unfortunately, as long as we live in a broken world surrounded by broken people, All of these will never be able to be fully realized. So peace will eventually turn into anxiety. Hope, if you put your hope in that new job, in that new car, in that new house, in whatever, it's going to leave you disappointed. It's going to leave you wanting more. Which actually kind of brings us to the last one. If you put your joy in something temporary and something only you can accomplish you're going to be unsatisfied because it may give you a temporary joy it may give you that temporary happiness but if we're all honest the hole on the bottom is bigger than the hole on top and you may continually try to feed yourself with something that's going to bring you joy bring you happiness but eventually it's all going to fall out the bottom because it's temporary now, just like the video was telling us earlier, there's nothing wrong with finding joy and finding happiness. And if you remember that, what you was saying in the video, I, I like that he said, you know, there were several words that describe the exact same thing, it almost seems, right? So joy and happiness, everything. There's hundreds and hundreds of words and everything because it's such this, this weird fine line in between the two. But there's nothing wrong 
we're finding happiness and joy and stuff like that in temporary things, in creation itself. God, right, at the beginning created everything, and it was good. So therefore, why wouldn't we find it good, right? If that's what God's original definition for it was, all right? I want to throw just a, um, a few verses at us real quick that kind of, kind of point at this idea that it's okay to, because like I, I don't want you to you know, find out, it's like, well, man, am I not supposed to enjoy this? Am I not supposed to enjoy that? Like, that seems kind of like a joy, joyless life. Like, come on, right? But that's not what the Bible teaches us either, okay? So uh, Psalm 65, 12, okay, says, the grasslands of the wilderness overflow, the hills are clothed with gladness. Now, if everyone remembers, uh, Psalms is like poetry and songs, right? And it actually, if you remember the uh, sermon series we did a year ago or so, uh, it's the heart of God's people, remember? All right, so th- we're definitely talking about an emotion here whenever the psalm was doing this. He's finding gladness in, in the wilderness, right? So if you like to travel, you like to go see the mountains, go see the beach and stuff like that, and it just, you know, brings joy to your heart. Like, like, don't feel guilty for that. Like, that's okay, you know, but realize that, again, that's temporary, right? But it's okay in that moment to feel the joy, to feel that gladness, to feel peace, whatever word you want to choose there, okay? God created that stuff to be good, okay? So move on to the next one. Jeremiah thirty-three eleven. The voice of mirth and the voice of gladness. The voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. The voices of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord. Jeremiah 33 is actually describing a wedding. So again, is it okay to be joyful and have gladness in social gatherings, right? To hang out with friends, church family, family themselves, you know, in small doses. Um, like, are those things okay? Yeah, those things are okay, right? I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe some of you are just like, hey, I didn't have to go see family, and that made me really glad. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe that's you. And that, that, Hey, no judgment here, right? <laughs> um, but it's okay to find joy and gladness in things like that, right? Proverbs 23, 24. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Okay, don't get caught up on the he and him in this, okay? But instead, just realize, like, parents, if you find joy in your children, that's okay, right? Don't feel guilty for those kinds of things. Like, I'm putting joy in things that are temporary. I shouldn't be doing this. I should hate my kids, you know? Don't hear that, okay? There are many things that we currently experience that God created for us to experience them as good things. And the Bible directs us to those things, okay? In fact, uh, Paul even talked about this in Romans 12, 15. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice. But also says to mourn with those who mourn. So, accomplishments, you know, new babies, whatever. Yes, by all means, rejoice. Rejoice in those things, by all means. But the hole in the bottom is bigger than the hole on top. Unless you're the Newtons, eventually you'll stop having babies. (laughs) Right? Uh, (laughs) He's not here, so I get to make fun of him. That's how it works. 
Uh, if he was here, I'd, well, I'd still make fun of him, but that's not the point. Okay, um, but putting joy in like temporary things, like that's not a bad thing. But we need to remember that there is a greater joy that we are pointing towards. Okay? We only know that these things are good because God is good. We only know that these things are joyful, right? Because God brings us joy in eternity, right? Like that's why we know these things. That's why things uh, appear good to us. Like we can only have those emotions because we were created to have them by him because he is good, Right? A couple years ago, we did a really good job, I thought, of trying to define joy. And I want to kind of add to that definition. So if we were just trying to make this as succinct as we possibly can, joy is a satisfaction in our soul, but also an anticipation of the future. It's both. Okay? It's a satisfaction of our soul and anticipation of the future. Actually, let's, let's tack something else on that, actually. So joy is the inward satisfaction of soul and the anticipation in the completed work of Christ. Let's go there instead. Because ultimately, that's, that's our anticipation. That's our ultimate anticipation, okay? Um, is anyone here, um, we like desserts, right? We like desserts. Okay, I'm, I'm a cheesecake guy myself, okay? And whenever you take that first bite of your favorite dessert, like you feel this, the satisfaction, like, oh, yeah, that is everything I was wishing it'd be. It tastes delicious. I love that, right? And then you take another bite. Oh, man, that's great. I love that. I love that. And then I don't know if anyone else does this when you eat dessert, but like the longer, the, the further you get down on your slice, the smaller your bite gets. Does anyone do that? Okay. So because you're trying to make it last as long as you bite to eventually you're eh, with the plate. You know what I mean? Anyone else do that? Right? Isaac likes to do that. He licks the bowl, right? After the ice cream's gone. Yeah. Okay. Because you're wanting this to last as long as you possibly can. Okay. That's the satisfaction and both the anticipation all on one plate. Okay. But what Jesus is trying to teach us through this, and this is where we're getting ready to go. Okay. What he's trying to teach us through this is just keep in mind that eternity means that that pie never ends. You're always satisfied. You're always satisfied. You're always satisfied because you are constantly bombarded with joy. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples in Luke 10, verses 17 through 20. Go ahead and turn there real quick. I want to read this story. And when we think about joy, I don't, I'm, this might not be even a story that most people think of, but I think it is a great one to read because Jesus points them directly to what they should be rejoicing in. Okay. So what we see here in Luke 10 is these 72 disciples were sent out. And they did some, some pretty cool things. Uh, they, they cast out demons and healed the sick and all these really great things in the name of Christ. And they, like, they didn't do anything wrong or anything like that. But they come back and Jesus kind of changes direction on them a little bit. And uh, so anyway, this is a story. And if you, Bible has it, it may even have the title, The Return of the 72. Because they, they were sent out and now they've come back and they're kind of telling Jesus all that they had done. Okay, so let's read this. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. 
And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At first, you kind of read this. It almost seems like Jesus is being a little cocky. (laughs) You know, they come back and they're like, look at all this great stuff that we did in your name. And Jesus responds back with, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. In other words, like everything you did, that means nothing. I saw Satan fall. Like what you did was nothing is what it seems like at first. But verses like this, I think it's always good for us to read it in the concept that Jesus is like the father and the disciples are like children. And he's trying to teach them something. He's trying to teach them something. So what's he trying to remind them of? Satan falls like lightning from heaven. And he says, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. He's reminding them of all of this stuff that not only he's given them authority over, like, yeah, you did great. I've given you authority over those things. And I saw the enemy fall, but that's not what's important. Like picture this, for example, give me a a little latitude. Let's say Jesus is like teaching this, this child, right? How to like shoot a bow and arrow. And they've been training and training and training. And finally the child fires one off Hits the bullseye. Dead center. Is that child going to be ecstatic? Is he going to be pumped that he finally did it? Yeah, he's going to be pumped. Right? And it almost seems like Jesus would be like, yeah, good job. You still suck though. Right? Like it almost seems like that's what he's saying. But instead what he's saying is like, that's great. I've been training you for a battle. But I'm here to remind you that the war has already been won. I've given you authority over these things. Yes. But I saw Satan fall. I'm training you for battle, but rejoice in the fact that I have already come and defeated Satan, sin, and death. I have already come to wash you clean. I have already come to take all the brokenness of this world, all the brokenness that is in you, all the brokenness that is in me. I have come and died on a cross and bled so that way you can be saved and saved to the point that your name is written in heaven. I have died to prepare a place for you. Have you ever stopped and think about that for a little bit? That not only are because of Jesus and your faith in him, not only are you going to heaven, but they are prepared for your arrival. Your name is written down somewhere in heaven, waiting for you. And Jesus says, all of these things are great. That's fine, but don't rejoice in those things. Rejoice in the fact that you have eternity with me. Rejoice in that. And if we have to be honest, that is not the easiest thing. Faith is not easy. And maybe this morning, that's even something you're struggling with. It's like, maybe, maybe you're struggling with acknowledging that, you know, I don't even know if my name is written in heaven. I don't know if my uh, if a place in heaven is prepared for me. I have no idea about those kinds of things. Let me say this. You, you come 
here and it was not an accident. We never believe that things are an accident. And maybe this is something you need to hear this morning, that it is Jesus and it is your faith in him that can prepare that place. Maybe you've been trying to find joy. Maybe you've been trying to find peace. Maybe you've been trying to find love in the temporary things of this world and you find that they are ultimately empty. You're dissatisfied. And you need to hear that there is an eternal way to accomplish these things. And that it is only through your faith in Jesus Christ and acknowledging that he can, is the only one, is the only person, is the only way to heal your brokenness. Maybe you need to hear that. Maybe you need to know that you are loved. And not love that you would think from a, a dad or a mom or a brother or a sister, or a wife or a husband. Maybe not even that kind of love, but a love that is everlasting and deeper than you could ever understand. And you just have to step out and believe that your name can be written in heaven. And only Jesus can do that. Having joy in a broken world is not easy. It's one of the hardest things that we could possibly do. Like I said, sometimes maybe the only energy you have that morning is to get out of bed. And then now you're asking me to also put on a smile. I don't got it. I hear you. It's not easy. And that's why joy is more than a choice. It's a fight. Sometimes it's a choice to fight. Joy is a, a, you know what? First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. I want to read this first. Rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances. Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope. So in some ways, like we read verses like this and there seems to be like this disconnect. It's like, wait, I'm supposed to be joyful all the time, no matter what, right? Be joyful in hope. So, but I feel like crud this morning. And it seems to be this disconnect of what the Bible tells me I should be doing and how I actually feel, even though I feel like I am this faithful person. And I want to say this morning, we don't need to read these verses as necessarily as a command, but yet a call to fight, a call to battle, a ringing of the bell to come out swinging. Like I was told to rejoice, and that's what I'm going to do this morning even though it's the last thing I want to do. Because the unfortunate truth is, being a Christian sometimes is the last thing we want to do. But we honor our Father in Heaven when we honor Scripture like this. And we choose to fight. We choose to fight for our joy. I'll say this again. Joy is both current satisfaction and future anticipation. So keep in mind that anticipation is something that we're looking forward to. And in a broken world, we'll never get there. That's what makes joy so important and hard at the same time. I 
I want to go through a few things here on uh, maybe some practical ways to kind of keep our joy. Because if we're going to think of verses like 1 Thessalonians 5, Romans 12, where we are called, you know, rejoice always and everything. And instead of thinking it like, yeah, I'm just going to put on the spot. But you're thinking it as the ringing of the bell, right? You got your boxing gloves on. You're going to come out swinging. If you want to think of it like that, here's a battle plan. Spending time with God is important for this. So there's three things we're going to do. One is finding a secret place. And this could be something, uh, I know I say this a lot, my secret place, so to speak, is going for a walk. I go by, I go by myself and I just go for a walk. That's my secret place. That's my quiet place. That's the place where it's just me and him. And that's it. Sometimes I'll play worship music. Sometimes I'll read. But a lot of times I'm just praying and talking and having conversation and doing my best to listen. But for you, maybe uh, you don't have time to go for a walk. Um, maybe you already get up at five in the morning. It's like, I can't get up in here earlier. I can't do that. Maybe for you, it's something as simple as grabbing a chair or a stool and going into your closet and shutting the door for five minutes. Maybe that's all you got. Take it. <laughs> Take that five minutes. Take any second you can get and just get quiet. In order to hear that still, small voice, you need to become still and small. So get there. Hear from him. While you're in that secret place, there's some scripture you can memorize just to kind of help you get there. Psalm 28, 7, James 1, 2 through 3, Psalm 118, 24, Proverbs 12, 20. I've just written down a few. My plan is to try to get these sent out. I want to send them out via text. So if you're on the church text chain, I hope you look forward to them. <laughs> uh, if you're not, get on it. Because throughout this week, I want to send these out to you guys. Okay? And these are great scriptures to memorize. Uh, the Lord is my strength and shield, is the psalm scripture. James 1, 2-3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. The last one. It's the last kind of practical step I want us to take. So we're getting alone. We're memorizing scripture. The last one. Give of ourselves. And what I mean by that is we have a tendency to get within our own heads, get within our own lives, and realize that, hey, I've got it pretty bad. I've got all this bad stuff happening. I've got all this not realizing that there may be someone that's worse off than you. <laughs> right? But when you give of yourself and you allow yourself to reach out, and take heart this idea of a missional church. It puts things in perspective for you. And realizing that the kingdom is much bigger than the problems within your four walls. And when you start to give of yourself, you notice that you actually have a lot to give. A few scriptures for that is um, Matthew 6, 3 through 4. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Does everyone know this one? 
so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Luke 6.35, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. But he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And then Luke 6.23, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Now, I'm not trying to preach a gospel of works or anything. I am trying to preach activity. I am trying to preach being active in the kingdom. Because the Lord teaches us that he rewards us. And maybe that reward is teaching us to be joyful. Teaching us to have peace. Maybe that's what we need this morning. It's not a church that's worried about itself, but a church that's worried about the growth of the kingdom. Get out of our own heads. Get out of our own walls. Get with him and get with others. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And just, I want to say again, you know, I'm not a big fan of teaching on joy because not only is it a hard concept to just teach on, uh, but it's a hard concept to live out, especially uh, in a broken world, especially in a world that we live in right now, because you, you look around and there's many of reasons to not be happy, to not show joy or anything like that. And, we have a tendency to kind of hear only one thing this morning, and that is, well, I just need to rejoice. I just need to learn to rejoice. And if I believe in Jesus, then I'll be happy, you know? And I, I think we have, a, and not that necessarily that we're wrong in thinking of those things, but I think it's just words are limited. And also, our thoughts are limited that maybe that's the only concept we can grab hold of. So if I were to try to direct us just one simple way is to take out the happiness concept and just Replace it with satisfied. What satisfies you? And does, is it a long-lasting satisfaction or is it temporary? Think of that cheesecake, right? One bite satisfies you, but you anticipate the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. Joy is both satisfaction and anticipation in the completed work of Christ. So like I said earlier, maybe you are struggling with the idea of your name being written in heaven and you don't really know what that means. I want to invite you to respond in any way maybe the Spirit's leading you. Maybe God's speaking into you right now, really weighing heavy on you. Don't ignore it. If you're someone right now that feels a burden to pray for someone else in the room, don't ignore it. This is our chance to respond.